Streaming now on the Answer San Diego app and radio.com. This program is sponsored by the National Law Center for Children and Families. Live with Dr. Wendy is brought to you by RJS Law, Southern California's finest tax law firm. Their team of top San Diego, Orange County, and Beverly Hills attorneys specialize in criminal tax defense, IRS audits and appeals, offers and compromise, estate planning, trust administration, and more. The mission of RJS Law is to be a steadfast advocate for their clients, serving them with compassion while solving their tax issues. Contact RJS Law today at irssolution.com or call 619-595-1655. Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Live with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and Ph.D. with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamlined, news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome to another edition with Live with Dr. Wendy. We're pleased to have you tonight. And it is finally summertime. I feel like we've waited for so long. But unfortunately, it is not all fun in the sun. And before I get into that, I'm going to be discussing that with my colleague, Larry Dersham, who's an attorney and constitutional law expert and really with me almost every week talking about some of these difficult issues. And, you know, we we hate to bring you bad news each week, which is one of the reasons we always end with a silver lining, but the country is off to a violent start in many places. And in some places, including New York City, they're asking whether they really have to choose between stop and frisk and duck and cover. That's a false choice, I believe. But that is because over July 4th weekend, people weren't just shooting off fireworks, they were shooting each other. 64 people were shot in New York City. Now, 10 of those shot, including a young father who was crossing a street with a six-year-old, died. And for the first time since 2016, the city surpassed 400 shootings in the first half of the year. Now, those statistics are very disheartening and not the kind of statistics we wanted to read after 4th of July weekend. We're hearing that murders are up across the country this year, while other violent crimes have decreased, according to data. But in New York City alone, I hate that we keep coming back to New York City, it has been nearly a quarter century since gun violence in June was as high as it was, even though statistics show that oftentimes homicides generally rise in the summer. And I mean, Larry, do we need to go any further with what we saw today? Not really, Wendy. Uh what we saw today, I, I look at it as we are having two pandemics. We're having the COVID-19 pandemic and we're having a gun violence pandemic. And get this, just between Friday afternoon, yesterday, and early this morning, the day of this show, right at this day, five people have been killed by gun violence in Chicago. That's another city where there's a lot of violence, including the 15-year-old boy, A total of 22 people, including the five killed, have been wounded by gunfire gunfire this afternoon in Chicago. And just last week in Chicago, for example, during the Independence Day weekend, at least 67 people were shot, 13 fatally, including a 7-year-old girl and a 14-year-old boy. As high homicide rates continue to turn the Windy City into a war zone. 
And a month earlier, I'm just going to go back one more month, on May 31st, Chicago, still talking about that city, endured its bloodiest day in over 60 years when 18 people were killed and 45 wounded in a 24-hour period. And it's, again, it's becoming like a war zone. And I want to tell you a brief, interesting story. I used to work for a company called LexisNexis, and they're a big legal research computer firm. People do research uh, using their uh, online services. We went up to Chicago Kent <clears throat> Law School up in Chicago, downtown Chicago, a beautiful city. Oh, my goodness. Chicago is a muscular, strong, amazing city. But we flew into the Midway Airport, which is not the big airport there in Chicago, but it still is a fairly large airport. And on our way back, after we were done with our business at Chicago Kent, there was somebody walking down the street with a big old handgun, and it wasn't in a holster, and it wasn't in a belt. He was just waving that thing around. And as we drove by, and I had to do a double take, I said, really? It's kind of a dangerous uh, city here. Well, it turns out in Chicago, and this is important to know, 75% of those murdered are black. And 71% of the killers happen to be black also. So I guess in Chicago, at least to the politicians there, black lives don't seem to matter all that much. It seems like a little bit of hypocrisy, I guess I'm trying to say. Well, you know, Larry, one of the other things that we've been following in terms of all different types of protests that are going on around the nation is we are seeing a dangerous trend of people being in their cars and being surrounded by angry protesters. I mean, last month, when most of the country opened back up and we went back out into the world, the biggest question then on our minds was whether our cars would start. But today, amidst protests, blockages, angry crowds, people are worried about whether they can stop their cars in time to avoid dangerous conditions. I mean, think about it, especially if you live near a downtown area filled with civil unrest. Cars are no longer safe spaces. I mean, what do you do if your car is surrounded by an angry mob? Obviously, the best plan is prevention. Avoid putting yourself into the situation. Well, here's a couple of tips. First of all, watch the news. Many protests and riots are publicized and planned. Stay away from the advertised locations. Now, if a flash mob happens together, if you have your eyes on the road, you will probably see people blocking the roadway. Now, if you have your radio down enough, you'll probably hear crowds and horns honking. These are loud events, some of these protests. Do what you need to do to avoid course, avoid the area, change course. If you're alert, you should be able to turn around in enough time. Now, if you live in a hot spot, you want to keep that radio on to monitor potential problems. Think about what we've seen. People don't have their eyes on the road. They're not looking at what's going on in front of them. Sometimes they don't even hear police helicopters overhead, Larry. I know we've seen some of that. But here is the key that I know you and I always encourage people. Report it and let the investigators investigate it. Like we say, let the professionals do their job. But sometimes when we go through these segments, we think about the fact that we even have to be talking about this, which is already a defeat. But if you end up trapped and stranded in traffic, like many people have, we want to make sure you protect, first of all, yourself. That means you have water with you. You have food with you if you need it. Protect your senses. That means if you need hearing aids to hear, you have them with you. If you need glasses to see. We always like to say perception provides protection. 
for your health. I mean, how many times have you been somewhere you have to take medication on a regular basis and you just didn't bring it? If you need an inhaler, make sure you bring that. God forbid you are faced with areas where tear gas has been deployed. All these kinds of things that people think about. You know, one of the other things, Larry, and I think we talked about this last week, is carjacking. Right. Do we need to tell everybody to, to lock their doors? But remember, some of the cases we've covered over the last couple of weeks have started exactly that way. So we're talking about access to escape as well. Now, when it comes to cell phones, keep your devices charged and maybe even carry your charger with you. How many times have you been on the phone with somebody that says, oh, wait a minute, my battery's about to die? Don't let that be you. Carry your power cords so you can plug them in in the car. And with a working phone, if you see something, you can go ahead and report it. Now, one of the other things that we've seen, Larry, is these peaceful protesters that have themselves been victimized. Because if you're a peaceful protester, you're not just concerned about bullets flying. Guns are only one type of deadly weapon. We've seen all sorts of injuries from Molotov cocktails, knives, hatchets, and especially this week, dangerous drivers. A car is just that, another type of deadly weapon. And what is the latest on what is happening here? How can we protect those protesters? Right. Yeah, I want to get into that, Wendy. Uh, but first, I wanted to uh, tell you what I've been seeing on the Internet. It's a real concerning trend. Uh, there's cases where uh, groups surround cars, they block them, and then they even begin to try to break windows. They break windows of the cars and cut the seatbelts and the attempt to pull the drivers and the passengers out of those vehicles. In fact, Wendy, I don't know if you happen to see this on the uh, a video circulating around the internet, where uh, Antifa members are openly teaching viewers how to break car windows and cut seatbelts. They even tell you where you can purchase handy little tools to do this vehicle mayhem, even ones that are so small that they can be worn around your neck like a necklace. It's just quite amazing. Uh, I've seen that. Yeah. But, um, but you're right. They're, they're, it goes the other way, too. So protesters are, <clears throat> have to be, uh, protect themselves, too, because cars are a deadly uh, weapon. Of course, if, they're, uh, if people are angry and they point those cars at you and— uh, in recent days, I know there was one person killed in, in, in Seattle. Uh, two people were injured in another uh, state in the city of Bloomington, Indiana, where dozens of uh, similar incidents are occurring across the United States. Uh, over there in Bloomington, a driver of a red Toyota first stopped and then unexpectedly accelerated into the crowd of dispersing demonstrators. And that just happened Monday night. It injured two of them. And uh, again, this is just one of the trends that we're seeing now. So I and think people are very short tempered. They're, they're very anxious right now on both sides. Right. They've been like dry tinder waiting for a spark. And remember, a car is just another type of deadly weapon that you don't need a background check or even a license for that matter to right. operate. So we really do care about that. And, you know, it's one of these things we just really hope everything calms down and we're able to actually bring we always bring good news in the second half and we're going to do that here too um, it's not all bad news so stay with us for the second half where we're going to be joined by the real deal a primetime threat assessment experts to give us some good news 
about how we can prevent crime at the community level. Remember, we always say we're the eyes and ears of the police, the civilian coalition. You don't want to miss it. So stay with us. You're on live with Dr. Wendy back in a flash. cycle lowlights have no place here you're listening to headline highlights live with dr wendy on the answer san diego live with dr wendy is brought to you by rjs law southern california's finest tax law firm their team of top san diego orange county and beverly hills attorneys specialize in criminal tax defense irs audits and appeals offers and compromise estate planning trust administration and more The mission of RJS Law is to be a steadfast advocate for their clients, serving them with compassion while solving their tax issues. Contact RJS Law today at irssolution.com or call 619-595-1655. Craig Smith, president of Borderland Cybersecurity. A local business and their three or four employees, why would they get breached? Well, again, somebody six months ago clicked on an email. They don't even work there anymore. But that launched a virus that just sat there, and it started to spider through. And, of course, it launches the full attack, and the entire company goes down. And we're not really sure the damage yet. These things take sometimes a year to understand the kind of damage that that did. And that's not including the number of fines and audits that are going to come knocking on their door. Call Craig at Borderland now. Build a moat around your company with 724-365 protection against cyber thieves. Call for your free consultation and free dark web scan. 760-736-8100. Learn more at Borderland.com. 760-736-8100. Borderland, protecting what matters most. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Live with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome back to another edition of Live with Dr. Wendy. So in the first half of the show, what have we learned? We've established we live in dangerous times. But now, in line with our commitment to bring you news you can use, I am delighted to be joined by someone who literally stops mass shootings and targeted violence for a living. How is that for a job description? Dr. Russ Palorea is the founder and president of Operational Psychology Services and an internationally recognized expert on threat assessment and president of the Association of Threat Assessment Professionals, where he has been a great role model for me and others in leading the organization. But in terms of Hollywood star power, Russ worked as a consultant on one of my favorite TV shows, NCIS Los Angeles, with LL Cool J and Chris O'Donnell, in connection with the operational psychologist character on the show, Dr. Nate Getz. Do you remember him? Maybe Russ will tell me about that some other time. Welcome, Russ, to the show. Hi, Dr. Wendy. Thanks for having me on. Well, as we cover the almost weekly roundup of shootings, stabbings, or other acts of violence, we're continually reminded of the important role of the community in preventing crime. They're the civilian coalition, the eyes and ears of law enforcement, and threat managers. How can we increase community-based crime prevention programs? So we have this concept called threat assessment and management, 
It's behavior-based. It watches for what people are saying and doing in order to let us know when there are red flags that someone is actually planning, researching, or preparing for carrying out a violent attack. And we use a community-based model. It's not just law enforcement, but we need the entire community to come together to notice when someone within their community is showing behaviors that indicate they are researching, planning, or preparing for a violent attack. And then we step in as a community together to intervene. It's not just law enforcement arresting someone. The person may need mental health treatment. They may need family and friends to circle the wagons around them and help them deal with their stress so that they don't choose violence. They choose another way to solve their problems. No, that's absolutely true. And, you know, I, I, I hope everybody is listening to this because that's one of the things we can do collectively as a community. And once a threat is detected, now we know it's experts like you who manage dangerous people, sometimes for years, because you never shred a file in threat assessment work. But particularly now in pandemic times, since we know that people don't snap, if we observe someone nursing a grievance on what seems to be a slow burn, how do we fashion pro-social interventions to prevent them from resorting to violence? Well, you bring up a good point. Um, the past few months have been very, very trying for everyone. You know, uh, the more that we're sitting in our homes and we're not getting out into our normal routines, whether that is exercise in a gym, whether that is traveling, taking vacations, just, you know, being out of the house and in an office, um, kids being in schools, just what our normal routines are. With that disruption of those routines, the stress has really, really built up over the past few months. I've seen a considerable number of cases, more so than, than my normal caseload, where people are experiencing uh, psychosis or mania or more alcohol abuse or drug abuse. The stress levels are increasing to clinical levels where they actually are manifesting in mental illness. So with that, it's all the more critical right now during these pandemic times that we have friends and family keeping an eye out for each other. And when you see someone struggling, intervene. If they're drinking too much and you see them taking drugs, help them find other ways to deal with their stress. Just talking with people is a good way to reduce stress. And, and as you know, there's actually professionals out there that you can pay to listen to your problems. They'll, they're called therapists and they can be quite effective. Right. No, that, that's true. That's also good advice. And, you know, when we're looking at some, uh, some of the most key words that I know that you talk about in threat assessment, motivation and intent, if we don't see these people as much as we should, whether it's family, friends, we're not getting out, they're not present on Zoom calls for whatever reason, how are we really able to assess how they're doing when we don't have the kind of access to them as we otherwise might? Well, that is the, the great challenge right now. If there is a void of information because we are not interacting with these folks while they are struggling with their stress or if they're isolating more. And normally maybe we'll see them on a text message or see them in a group chat and suddenly they're not there anymore and we're not recognizing that they're there. We're not gonna see any warning signs, any red flags um, until something catastrophic happens. So if we notice an absence of someone, we really want to reach out to them and say, hey, you know, I noticed you haven't been around. What's going on? Are you okay? How are you doing? Uh, even, you know, as the, the quarantine was settled in over the, the first two months, 
I was just reaching out to friends going, hey, I haven't talked in a while. How you doing? And then I had friends reaching out to me as well. And there was just this natural check-in. And I, I encourage people to do that, check in with each other. Oh, that's such great advice. Hey, Larry, you had a question for Russ about what ATAP does. Right. Uh, I believe, uh, Russ, that's the Association of Threat Assessment Professionals. Yeah, what is that organization all about? What do you do? So ATAP, the Association of Threat Assessment Professionals, is a nonprofit professional association. It's a 5013C in the state of California where we bring together a multidisciplinary group. It, it, it was founded by the Los Angeles Police Department Threat Management Unit, Lieutenant John Lane, who ran the TMU at the time, but it is a multidisciplinary group. So we have law enforcement, we have corporate security, HR and legal folks, we have private security folks, we have um, schools, uh, school administrators, school security, uh, school threat assessment team participants, that's K through 12 and university. Um, we have attorneys, both private practice and district attorneys and assistant U.S. attorneys, uh, victim advocates, uh, behavioral science and mental health folks. It is a true multidisciplinary association. We all have a piece of the puzzle for assessing violence risk and then designing management strategies to prevent violence from happening. ATAP brings us all together to learn from each other, build that network that we rely on to assess and mitigate violence risk in our cases. You said it was based in L.A. Can other parts of the country use your services like Washington, D.C. and so forth? Well, ATAP is based in Sacramento, California, but the association is national. Okay. So this is the U.S.-based association. There are also sister associations. We have partnerships in Canada and in Africa and Asia Pacific and Latin America and in Europe. So we have a global network of threat assessment professionals in addition to APAP. And, uh, and Russ speaks to them all over the world. And Larry, the, the most you have to worry about is your clients threatening to sue each other. So as a estate planning lawyer, hopefully you'll never need uh, Dr. Palareya's services. Um, I have to end with this question. I imagine uh, you find this as frustrating as I do, and it comes up all the time. What do you say to people who mistakenly believe there's no way to stop mass shootings or targeted violence? You know, that's one of the most frustrating things we deal with because we absolutely can stop these attacks. Uh, let me give you a couple of references. There's some very good readings out there. There's an article by Mark Fullman and Mother Jones when he came to the APAP conference and wrote about how we prevent these attacks. It's called Inside the Race to Stop the Next Mass Shooter. If you do a search for that, you'll find it. I want to also let your listeners know about the TAPS Act which was APAP partnering with Congressman Brian Babin to create a bill that brings threat assessment into communities with programmatic architecture and with funding so that we can build these community-based threat assessment and management programs. The readings to learn more about the TAPS Act, uh, the writings from the FBI, the Secret Service, and a number of other folks on how we use threat assessment and how we prevent these attacks, just go to www dot atapworldwide.org and you can click on the TAPS Action Center and you will learn all about the TAPS Act and all of those uh, recommended readings are on that page. That's excellent advice. Thank you so much. You know, before we segue to our weekly silver lining segment and shift the discussion from threats to pets, we want to thank our guest. We've been talking with Dr. Russ Palarea, founder and president of Operational Psychology Services and president of the Association of Threat Assessment Professionals. 
Russ, thank you for all you do to protect the rest of us and make this world a safer place. And thank you, Dr. Wendy. Appreciate it for all, all that you do for the folks in San Diego and for the members of APAP. Oh, well, thanks for being a great mentor and role model for me and everybody else. Okay. Larry, we're going to shift to our canine COVID delivery segment, but frankly, I don't know if we can top that last segment with Dr. Pellarea. Maybe we should just quit while we're ahead. <laughs> I feel like we had such a silver lining in terms of such valuable information about how we can protect our communities. I mean, one of the things that Dr. Pellarea reminded us of is that there are resources out there that we can look at, that we can read, that we can refer our friends to when they ask us, how in the world do you people think you can possibly band together and prevent some of these things? I mean, I know Dr. Palarea has personally prevented some. Everybody can if you all play your role in the system. Don't you agree, Larry? Total, totally, yes, absolutely. I think there's there's a, a, a time as, as we're in right now, there's no better time to learn about threats and threat assessment, how to avoid threats, how to de-escalate, and so forth. I don't think there's been a better time, a more needed time in our entire history of our country than right yeah, now. Yeah, and I think I think that last segment was our silver lining. That was yeah. so inspiring. You know, it, it really kind of rounds out this, this segment of there really is something we can do, and there is a reason to be hopeful. There are resources. There are people that, that can do things that are just community members like you and I that can actually be a part of the process. So we're going to leave it there this week because it ended. we want to end strong. And please join us next week uh, for another segment of Live with Dr. Wendy. I guarantee we will have both good news and bad news, but it will always be news you can use. God bless you. Thank you for joining us tonight. We will see you next week. You're on Live with Dr. Wendy. Thank you for joining us for Live with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Live with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. Live with Dr. Wendy is brought to you by RJS Law, Southern California's finest tax law firm. Their team of top San Diego, Orange County, and Beverly Hills attorneys specialize in criminal tax defense, IRS audits and appeals, offers and compromise, estate planning, trust administration, and more. The mission of RJS Law is to be a steadfast advocate for their clients, serving them with compassion while solving their tax issues. Contact RJS Law today at irssolution.com or call 619-595-1655. This program is sponsored by the National Law Center for Children and Families.